Hey yo, welcome back to another episode of the Good Buddy Sports Bar. This week you got Skinny Burt hosting with me as always is AP. What's going on? Not much, man. A lot to talk about this week. Don't even know where to start, but I'll let you uh, drive the boat. Perfect. So I guess we can start off with a headline that I'm hearing or um, some news as coming out of our local group. So we talked about Matt Curtis winning the um, club championship over at the Bev. This week, I got a text from him letting me know that the greatest perk of being a club champion, you do not get at the Bev. You do not get a parking spot there. What? Okay, good. I thought you already knew. I thought he hit you up with this info. No. Yeah. So he <laughs> fucking bullshit. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. Like, I, I think we should put a poll up on Instagram just to see what people say. But I think the one key is every level of the club sees, like whether it's the men's, women's, and the juniors. As long as you're winning the top flight, you get that damn parking spot. Hundred percent. It's the only thing that matters. Is the parking yeah. spot. Yeah. And uh, you don't really, like, you get the club at cover. You get the your name shit. on the plaque and that sort of stuff. But, like, yeah, exactly. No one that sees the plaque every day. But every time someone pulls into that parking lot and they got to find a parking spot and your name is on that, the best spot in the entire house, that's all that matters. That is bullshit. Figure it out, Bev. Yeah, we're going to leave some negative points on the Bev there. We're going to have to call you guys out for that. And um, anybody who listens to us, let's try and rally around Matt. Get him that parking spot. He said he's going to be going in there during the next uh, general meeting and laying that down as a point of contention. So anybody who's listening, let's rally around him, try and get that parking spot for him. Name me another like (laughs) private golf course where – you win the club C and you don't get the exclusive parking spot. I've never not seen a club where you exactly. get a parking spot. Wow. That is whack. That should drop them down like the world golf or the like the best courses in Canada rankings, like 10 to 15 spots minimum. Yeah, they're only on the next 25 i think they're just outside the top 25 so they should just be dropped right off of it wiped off the yeah map. right off like that's just insulting i think the word that you're looking for is that's bullshit so i'll say it oh 100 percent. you win the club championship you can i would forego a bullshit head cover who fucking cares and give me my damn parking spot I can get out every time I would park there. I'd get out of my car and walk like Connor McGregor right up to the front, go do my thing, just leave my car there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He should, he should just start dropping his car off at the cart parking. Yeah. I'd put my cart in the, in the closest possible spot that I could that wasn't a spot and be like, but I'm the club champ. I should have the best spot here. Why does this schmelt? who didn't win anything, get to park his car here. Yeah. You got to earn that. Earn the right to park there. <sighs> that that started this this pot off on a, on a sour note. But great breaking news coming out of the Skinny B camp. Yeah. Yeah. That 
Ugh. Yeah. I'm disgusted. Yep. That was a, a good uh there. Um, All right. Let's move on to the tour championship. Something else that you're disgusted with the uh, way that that's rolled out. Um, Hovland pulls out the win there, um, shoots 27 under with his, I believe it was eight strokes. He was handed at the start of the tournament. Xander finishing in second at 22 under. He started with three strokes. I brought this up when we were doing our pre-show here. Um, they both ended up taking 261 strokes. So they ended up tying if they were to go out there and just play head to head. It would have been cool to have a playoff for the tour championship, but that is not the case because they start off with the, um, with the strokes there. So give me your thoughts. You watched a lot more of it than I did. I was out camping for the weekend, so didn't get to see too much of it, but got to see the back nine where he just kept on pushing Xander away time and time again. Yeah, I'm not sure he was necessarily pushing Xander away, but he was just keeping him at arm's reach. Like watching Hovland play, it he was just dialed. Like the guy was hooping. It was sorry, Hovland. I don't know if I said Xander Hovland, but watching Hovland play, like the dude deserved to win that tournament. Like he was lights out, but. Xander put on a hell of a show on Sunday and he was unbelievable. And to think that those two guys, what did between the two of them and they had like what they shoot 61 and 62 or something like 62, that. 62, 63. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want to, you want to talk about a great final pairing like that. That's unbelievable. I think it would. I and mean, I think you were the one who was telling me that if, they were playing match play that Morikawa would have been up a couple holes at one point there too. Yeah. But I don't know, man, I can't kind of look at it and, you know, we, we can pick it apart, but I can't take anything away from the way Hovland played. Cause I mean, that was a clinic of how to secure the bag. Yeah. I thought on 14, uh, you texted me because your feed was a bit ahead of mine. But um, when he hit that par putt from, I, I'm guessing it was like 20 feet. Yeah. That put the nail in the coffin right there. I thought that was the real turning point. And then he goes on, pars the next uh, two holes, and then he ends up birdieing out. So just, it was a clinic. And for him, the biggest thing that I found, he was always a great ball striker. He could go after any penny wanted. Didn't see a fairway he didn't like. And you add on top of that the improvements that he's made to his short game. Yep. Around the green, he went from being, I think it was like 150 or 175th as far as strokes gained um, chipping to 100 between six months ago and now. Like that's a major improvement. Now he is actually gaining strokes on the field in that category. And that's scary from a guy who already had the total game outside of just a short game. Yeah. I mean, short game is, you know, the key to winning, you know, you can miss all the greens you want. But if your short game's tight, you're laughing, right? You can get up and down, you can save pars, you can do all that. But if you add in that short game to, to what you said, just dialed irons and dialed off the tee. I mean, he's coming in hot. If he maintains this momentum, I don't want to play him in the Ryder Cup. And I'm not trying to segue right now, but like what watching Hovland play this past weekend and even last week, like that's how you win 
tour championship is you get hot at the right time. And he did. It all came yeah. together. Yeah, it's like trying to peak for the postseason, and he did just right. that going into the postseason and now the Ryder Cup. Yeah, he's, he's had a great season, I think. Um, in a moment, we'll talk about like player of the year candidates. I think he'll come up in both of our conversations um, just with the season that he's put together. And um, But like looking at Xander, I'm, I'm always impressed with this game because he's always there. But the biggest knock on him is he can't get over the edge there and win the big ones. He hasn't put together that tournament where you're like, that's the result that he deserves for how well he's played through the years. Yeah. I, I mean, it's got an Olympic gold medal, which is kind of dope, but um, I agree with you. I think he's right on the cusp as well. I think there's a lot of guys in PGA right now, all those young guys like mid twenties that are just like scratching at on the cusp of like superstardom. Yeah. Right now you got like you look at it, you got Scheffler, Morikawa, Fitzpatrick, um, Xander, of course, Victor, like all those guys are coming into peak form, all of them under 30. So like their best years are still in front of them. For but, sure. For um, sure. You gotta think that Xander's starting to stress a little bit internally when he thinks and he looks back at his seasons to be like that was a lot of second place finishes for me where I should have been able to close one out majors, especially like he's getting to that point where I think we're going to be talking about him into the future as a guy like Phil for many years, where when is he going to get that first one? Is he going to get that first one? It's going to start to wear on him. I think. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think there's a lot, there's a few guys that it's weighing on when they're going to get one, but I think Xander's definitely one of them. Um, It's inevitable. You know, it's coming. It's just a matter of he's got to dodge those bullets, right? Like, yeah. probably could have won the Tour Championship, but, you know, Hovland was in the way. He didn't have to, like, he beat the other guy. Like, he beat Rom, Scheffler, and McElroy, yep. right? Like, he beat the guys that he, you know, knew for sure he was going to have to, like, get through that were going to be at the top. But Hovland did the same thing and just came in a little bit, a little bit hotter. Mm hmm. And it goes back to our point that we've been talking about when it comes to the Tour Championship, trying to create a situation where they're going head-to-head on a Sunday. But making it straight up would have been that much better. Like oh, I think, I think I if nothing it. else, like just making it straight up final weekend playoff um, would have been just as good, if not better, on the Sunday. Um, one other thing, we were joking about this, and in case folks haven't seen it, um, we were talking about the um, the practice range and everybody's divots. Um, it was kind of funny because you see everybody's divots were in a perfect line. And then you see Adam Shanks, just like some guy rolling balls out at a Muni golf course, driving range, hacking it up with his divot marks. The other one I wanted to bring up was the cold top that Sam Burns had. And I'll put it in the show notes. He's one of us. To that. Yeah, he is one of us. So even the best in the world can do that from time to time. Yeah, the, I saw that the, the the cold top just made me laugh. It's like, yeah, it's inevitable. The divot patterns, though, like everyone's are, there's some sort of 
you can see the thought process behind them. Like not, yeah, not everyone's hitting like perfect straight lines. You know, you can tell some guys are making patches, aiming at other targets, you know, all that stuff. And then Shanks legitimately looks like, like I played Predator Ridge this afternoon and I, uh, you know, I teed off at like one thirty, So I got to the range after a lot of people have played. And his spot looked like that spot you show up at any public course where like you're just searching for the green spots so that you can hit balls. And there's got to be a process to it. Like there's got to be a reason why it looks like that or why he does it like that. But until he he's guilty until proven innocent in, in my in my mind here, like like you need to explain yourself. We should get him on. <laughs> That's just on unacceptable. <laughs> it's unacceptable. It goes like, back why? to what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with like repairing your ball marks on the fairways and then same thing on the greens. Like you gotta you gotta take care of the course and any greenskeeper who sees that has gotta be just fuming. Because everybody else He's just gonna assume it. someone's dumb buddy came out and took some of his irons and decided he was gonna hit on the range when he shouldn't be. Uh, that would be a good story. All right. So I think we've exhausted the tour championship. We'll move on to. Well, the one thing I did want to say, and that I was getting a little worried for the boys at the top was as I was watching it get into Sunday, Rory started to make a little bit of a, he started to accelerate a little bit, start hitting some shots. I just think he put himself in a position where he had too much ground to to make up and, and couldn't get there. But he was starting to look like vintage Rory on Sunday. But other than that, I'm good moving on. Yeah, vintage Rory. I've put myself in a 20-shot hole at the Masters. Now I'm yeah. going to shoot 20 under on the weekend and still come up short. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Let's break down, because we've come to the end of the PGA season, let's break down our thoughts on player of the year. So, I think the three candidates it comes down to would be one, Rom, because he's got that Masters win and three other wins on the card for the year, albeit his results haven't stacked up the rest of the year compared to the other two guys. You got Hovland wins three times, including at the Memorial, and then the two during the playoffs wins the FedEx Cup. Finally, you got Scotty with the two wins and a million runner-up finishes. Finishes with the seventh best strokes gained um, all time behind only six-time Tiger um, doing it while also having a dominating run. So I'll leave it at that. I'll let you choose your player of the year and put your case forward for them. I thought I had an answer, I but I'm questioning it now. I think you have to go player of the year as Victor Hovland. Explain. You know, regular season results are great, but you don't necessarily win MVP if you have amazing stats and your team is shit. You don't make the playoffs. You don't make a run in the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. I think, you know, Scotty put up amazing numbers. That run at the start of the year was phenomenal. His stats are great. But he couldn't close. Um, you know, Rom you can make an argument for Rom, but I think the body of work, the you know, top tens, performance, consistency throughout the course of the year, closing when it was important, 
I think Hovland wins. Okay. And I can understand that. The playoffs are a big factor. I think in golf, the playoffs aren't the biggest factor. So I am going to go with Rom, mainly due to the fact that he won the major. So he won the Masters, mm-hmm. added that yep. to his US Open. And on top of that, he's got the four wins and 13 top 25s through 20 starts. Um, I think that's an amazing body of work. Very rarely do you have a guy go out there and win four times and have a major in there too. So I think that's those accomplishments stacked on top of each other outweigh his waning performance as the year went on. So I'm going to go with Rob for mine. And I think... Yeah, and and I could... I agree. I could easily go with Rom over Hovland too. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm on board with Rom as well. But I think it's I think what the PGA needs to do is they need to make the playoffs more important. And we talked about this last week and probably the week before and probably the week before that. But there's no there's there's no there's no weight behind it. Like, thank you. Simply put, yeah, there's yeah. no weight behind winning the FedEx Cup or the playoffs outside of the huge purse. It's yeah, just exactly. another tournament. And yeah, and there's no like, yeah, you get, you get into that, you know, whatever the, uh, the end of the season cut line, but then, you know, there's, there's no teeth to it. So it doesn't hold enough weight compared to the majors. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And we're talking about it being the playoffs got huge. It's got huge purses, you know, tons of attention, but in the end, the majors are all that really matter. For for, yeah. for legacy, if you will, legacy, and I think again for player of the year conversations, you only get four chances at it every year, and to bag one is a huge deal. So yeah, and you could also put in the players too, right? Like I think the mm-hmm. players, the players championship, I think which that Scotty Scotty did, well. yeah, Scotty did get that. If you want to consider that one of the major, I'll use air quotes, fields, mm-hmm. although you don't get like the best live guys there. So I think it's lost a bit of that um, top tier nature to it. Okay. So you got Hovland and I was probably going to go with Hovland if you went the other way, but yeah, Hovland and Rom, I think are the two front runners right now. It's funny going into the weekend. If Hovland doesn't end up pulling it off, I think it was Scotty and Rom and Rom was going to be the clear cut winner just based upon his overall body of work. All right, let's go on to who had the most disappointing season. So I got two guys. My first one is going to be a guy who's played very consistently over his career, was making gains year after year and kind of plateaued about two years ago. But his game has fallen off such a cliff that I think you got to highlight his year as being a disappointment, and I hope he can come back from it. I think he's a guy that took some time off to spend with his family and like get himself right, which was a good play through the back half of the season. He's going to start getting back into some tournaments here, I think, in the fall schedule. My first guy is going to be Kisner. He had 15 events played, missed eight cuts, and some of those missed cuts, his scores were plus 13, he made the players cut line. He was plus 11, plus eight, plus 13, plus seven, plus 10, another plus eight. Like the guy just had a terrible season. So that's going to be my pick. Um, my first pick. My second pick is playing off of what we were just talking about. Scotty with such an amazing year from T to green 
to not be able to close out more events and have that many second place finishes and to not make a switch when it comes to your putter. I think he made one late in the season going to the TaylorMade. Too late for him. Wasn't able to catch lightning in a bottle with it. He's really got to take a look at himself and figure that putter out over the offseason or else it's going to weigh on him. Similar to the conversation that I just had about Xander, where it's like, that's the chink in your armor, and I don't think anybody's going to be afraid of you going forward. That's the difference between the years that Tiger had when he was leading strokes gain and what um, Scotty was able to do. So those are my two guys that I pick for disappointing years. Okay, that's not what I was expecting. <laughs> um I'm going with on JT. that Kisner one, eh? I like the Kisner one, but you know, I'm sure you'd have a hilarious response to it. Um, no, I'm going with JT, and it—it's just he didn't even make the playoffs. JT always makes the playoffs, and if you're looking at someone who had a disappointing season or underwhelming season, it was Justin Thomas. I mean, he—he he fought to try to get into the playoffs at the last minute, but he didn't. He didn't do it. He didn't perform to his capabilities. And I think that's, I think that was the most underwhelming season of them all. Yeah. A guy who's consistently in the top 10 ends up falling off a cliff. And it was, it's kind of been a weird one where it's like, he'll be fine. He hasn't been able to get super low like he's been known to do. And uh, I don't know if it's his putter that's really hampering him. And that's the issue that he's having. But, Overall, it was just like, where are these 80s coming from on top of the fact that you can't go low? Yeah, it, it he he disappeared. I mean, it was, yeah, I know you had Scotty in there. Yes, disappointing, I'm sure. A little, uh, you know, I don't know if I'd use the term underwhelming, like should have closed out some more tournaments and won some more. And then he would just be hands down player of the year. Um, but, you know, the stats, the results, saying the money earned. Like, there's nothing disappointing about that season aside from he probably could have won more. Um, I get Kisner. I don't disagree with the Kisner side of things. I think it was probably a focus thing. It was uh, arguably a conscious effort to not give a shit this year, or you know, just wasn't into it. But I, I, I think JT is the most disappointing year of them all, hands down. And then he got rewarded today, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But yeah, after we get done with the recap, we'll get into yeah. Let's get the recap done because I got yeah, so yeah. many fucking opinions that I need to get out, and they're just boiling up right now. Yeah. So the Kisner one's also to add insult to injury. On top of that, his caddy goes over, starts caddying for Straka because he's struggling. Yeah. Straka goes out, wins the first week, finishes second the next week, and then I and I think that was the open, and then continued to have a bit of a run through to the end of the season. So to add insult to injury, he has lost his longtime caddy and um, kind of told him, like, I'm not in a place to be able to feed your family with my results, so go ahead and stay yeah. with Straka, which good move on him. So I will say he is... Like, we all know he's a great dude, and, like, one of the guys, if I had a foursome that I could put together, he would be in it, yep. just from some of the stories I've heard. But, yeah, definitely a disappointing season. Hope to see him back, of course. Yeah, and he'll come back. I mean, the guy, everyone loves him. The guy's great. He's, you know, a fan favorite. We all go through those times, and I think he's just going through one now where he needed to focus on other things, and is what it is. Yeah. All right, last one. 
Who's the one or two guys that you see that could use their 2023 as a springboard into bigger, better things in 24? And I'll let you start this. Time. Yeah, I got two. Okay. Sahith Thagala. You know, got on tour, you know, started making waves, had some good positioning, had some good tournaments, some good finishes. He's young. I think he's going to have a breakthrough year next year. And the and second the thing, one. Just before you, you leave that one. Yeah. And the good thing for him is he, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but he ends up making the um, playoffs, right? Yes. Okay, so he makes the playoffs, which means that he is now going to be into all the um, signature events, I believe. So Correct. that should also help his 24. Agreed, agreed. I think it's just going to help his confidence. You know, We see it, like you, we, we saw it with Scotty Scheffler a couple years ago. Like He was kind of knocking on the door, you know, playing well in tournaments, name pops up on the top of the leaderboard in the top 10s, things like that. And then you know, a couple years later, he's... A stud. I think that's the trajectory that Sahith Thagala is on. Um, my second one, kind of going back to last week, I think Tommy Fleetwood parlays his 2023 results into a breakout year in 2024 that includes winning on U.S. soil. Okay. I like that one. And I think the big thing for him is going to be Figuring at the end of the month. That and... <laughs> If he has a good Ryder Cup, similar to what he had a couple of years ago, yep. that will help springboard him into next year. So I think the Ryder Cup is going to be big for him. Agreed. Agreed. I think he's just – he was so close so many times. It, there's no way he doesn't win on the PGA Tour next year. He hits the ball so cleanly every single time. Like, it's ridiculous how well he strikes the ball. Um, so for him to have that little lull in his career yeah. for the last couple of years was it was strange, but um, really enjoy him being back. I, I, I think it's a putter issue because I was playing with Millie this week when I was down in Calgary, and he's got the same putter, and he can't putt for shit either. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not the people wielding the sword; it's the sword itself. I'm just kidding. But no, I, I, I think Fleetwood is – I would go out on a limb and say he's going to win multiple times on the PJ Tour next year. We'll have to write that one down and see how that works out. All right, so I got two. Um, one's kind of a guy who's always been in contention for many years. Again, fell off the face of the earth, restructured his swing. It really seems to be working for him. Add on to that, he's figured out his putting again because he always was a very good putter, and to get that back has elevated his game and allowed him to go low. Um, Ricky Fowler, getting that win at yep. the Rocket Mortgage, playing in the Ryder Cup again, I think that's going to be huge for his confidence, and that's going to springboard him. He's one of those guys, when will he win a major? And 24 could be that year. I'm not going to go out on a limb because I don't quite see it yet out of him, um, especially with what happened at the U.S. Open. But I, I think he's probably within the next two, three years, he might be able to pull one out. And then Wyndham Clark, uh, Ryder Cup rookie this year, mm -hmm. wins the U.S. Open, been putting together a very solid year this year. Now that he's passed all that, attention that he received last year um, from winning the U.S. Open. He'll be able to focus his time, I think, a little bit more on golf and 
maybe win a couple more times next year. So I'm seeing probably two wins out of them next year um, is where I'll go. Okay. Yeah. So I like those. I really, really hope Ricky gets back to Ricky form because golf's better when he's in the mix. Absolutely. When you put him into a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup, it's just more fun. Like he's he legitimately looks like he's having fun every time he steps out on the course. I think Sunday at the US Open was the only time that I've seen him look shaky and clammed up like he was. Yeah. Outside of that, he's always playing free and loose, so it's fun to watch. For sure. All right. The moment that you've been waiting for, we'll get into the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Now that it has been officially announced, I'll go through the whole squad, and then we can start breaking things down. Um, I think both of us were on the right track with some of our picks, um, but again, the one shocked, I think, everybody just based upon his form, but like we talked about um, with him, past performance could be indicative of future results but still yet to be seen so anyways the team as it stands so the automatic qualifiers were Cantley, Wyndham clark harman homa shafle and scheffler uh the captain's picks were sam burns fowler kepka morikawa spieth and jt so i know you've been sitting on this for quite a while so i'll let you just lay everything out on the table what were your thoughts coming out of the presser today with Zach? All right. I think it's bullshit. Um, you know, he talked about, you know, making guys whole and they use the analytics. I don't know what analytics they were looking at to say that JT should be on that team. But if you look at his recent analytics, they're not good. So the feeling I got immediately out of this was, oh, you're just, you're just putting together the cool kids club of the guys that are always there. And I think that Keegan deserved to be there. I think Lewis Glover deserved to be there. I think Cam Young deserved to be there. But I honestly don't think Zach Johnson had the balls to not take some of those other guys. Um, Part of me wants to know if there was, if this might be a, I'm putting my tinfoil hat on right now, but, you know, and it's strapped on. How much of this selection was weighed by, guys decisions not to leave and go to live like did jt have something in his i'm not going to go to live contract that said i have to be on the Ryder cup team and like there's too many big names getting picked over not as big of names for me to think that there wasn't some sort of shenanigans involved like i can i can take a step back and be okay if he goes and takes a Keegan because I think he had a solid enough season to warrant being on the team. The live guys who are left on the outside. And again, I feel like I'm one of the only guys that talks about Reed as being one of the pieces that should be there based upon the way that his game is set up as well as him having solid results, whether it be on live or majors all year long. I could also see why you leave Glover off the team because he didn't compete in any of the majors this year. So you don't have a good feel on how he's going to play in those situations. Albeit he had a good close to the season. Um, 
but the JT one, I'm still just like, I get it. I think he's going to be fine because you can throw out some of those holes where you have those blow up situations, but there was more deserving guys. He didn't earn it this year. He didn't, his performance didn't earn it, period. And to take him is a massive slight to some of the other guys that's performance, whose performance actually earned them the spot. And I, it, but they only have six yeah. spots to qualify for, and they didn't earn that spot either. So that's where I, I was on that pedestal saying, like, these guys performed well enough to get in, like the Keegans. Um, not really. I maybe Tony, um, but they, but like Cam they still Young, didn't, like Cam Young performed well. That was my one. I don't word. know, man. Um, it just, it reeks, it reeks of, Old boys club. Yeah, it almost seems like just a boys trip at this point. Yeah, it reeks of this is the same. We're going to bring the guys that didn't qualify but are always on this trip. Now, I'm going to go. That's what it reeks of. And like, what? And and would they have done that if there wasn't this framework in place with Liv and the PGA where they're not going to go after each other's players anymore? Like, would they have risked? losing Cam Young to live. Well, now they know he's not going to go because there's, you know, some sort of agreement in place. But if that agreement wasn't in place, do you, do you stiff him or do at risk of him just leaving and going to live? I don't know. And that's where I think you don't, the live- you don't stiff him, Brett. That's the, my point. <laughs> yeah, you don't. And, and again, like I think Reed and Bryson have a better case for making the team than JT. When you look at straight performance, um, now I'm going to take the flip side just to play devil's advocate a little bit. Is this one of those situations you look at the European teams that they put together over the years and they really did have the tight knit group, which was that core year in and year out where it was Poulter Westwood. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, Garcia, who also got a captain's pick a couple of times when they weren't playing well. Are they going with the mentality that we need kind of that tight-knit group put together that we know we can go to foreign soil with? They're going to stay tight. They're going to be happy to be together like it is a boys' trip and perform because they haven't won there in Europe in 30 years. Yeah, no, I, I get that perspective on it. I just... I. It stinks. It stinks of bullshit to me. Like, I love JT. I love watching him golf. I love when he's on. Like, I get it. But he's got to ride the pine for this one. Like, you know what? If you, yeah, okay, you don't want to bring Keegan. You don't want to, like, Glover didn't earn it. Keegan probably did a little bit more. But, like, bring a young. Like, it, it, yeah. If I look at the future, you should have brought Cam Young. I keep on saying that he performs well at the last two Open Championships. He's had pretty solid seasons. I know he's outside looking in, so it's an easy one to take out. But he's played well over there. He's got a pretty good game. Maybe the putter may be a little shaky, but... um, You know the one that I'm like... And when you look to the future, too, and I'll be done... When yeah. you look to the future, you need some of that fresh young blood in there. I know you got Morikawa, young, uh, sorry, Homa, Burns. You got some of those younger guys, Scotty, Xander, I guess, to a certain extent. But you do need some of those guys who have never had experience in order to get some of that. 
And they're going to be at a point where all those guys are going to be getting into their waning years very soon. And it's been the same team for the last 20 years. Yeah, I agree. And like Sam Burns, I'm thousand percent cool with Sam Burns. I mean, he won that Dell match play. He had to get through a lot of the guys that, you know, are either on the European team or on the U.S. team or didn't make the U.S. team. Like he earned that spot. Plus he's, you know, Scotty Scheffler's boy. So you can put them together. And they're gonna do well, um, but like it, I read Keegan's statement. You know, I'm disappointed. Blah blah blah. Like, is someone not just gonna come out and go like, no, this is fucking bullshit. Like, I performed better. I won more. I'm playing better. Like, someone needs to call them out because saying you're you're trying to make the other guys whole and it's all based on analytics. Like, okay, show me the analytics. Show me what you were calculating. Were you calculating the 2018 Ryder Cup performance or were you calculating how good someone's playing right now? Yeah. And back to Keegan's statement, like he was in essence saying what you're saying where it is a old boys club and he stayed, he tried to get closer to some of those guys because he's always been a bit of an outsider when it comes to that group in order to try and get onto the team. So it's kind of funny. He he made the statement without, like in a very Keegan way, being a bit passive aggressive. But also like, let's say you're Keegan and you got offered a hundred million dollars to go to live and, but you always wanted to play Ryder Cup. You love, you want the opportunity to play Ryder Cup and the PJ is holding over your head. If you go, you're not going to be eligible for a Ryder Cup. And then you don't go and you put together a phenomenal year and then they hoop you anyway. And you're sitting there going like, not only did I not get a $100 million check, but I did what was what was asked of me. I, perf- I exceeded the expectations from a performance standpoint and I still got fucked. Yeah, and that seems to be the MO for the PGA. They're right. going to shake with their right hand while crossing their left hand behind their back. Yeah, that or like wipe their ass with their right hand and then shake your hand with it. Yeah, that's probably more accurate of a statement. (laughs) It also, I I was trying to think of like comparables and I go back to when I was playing basketball in high school, um, trying out for Team Ontario. Go to the first tryout and it's like 50, 75 guys. The thing that I noticed was the top five or six guys who I I already knew that they were above everybody else that was at that tryout were not there. And you knew that those guys were already pre-selected, even though it was supposed to be an open situation. And it just it always rubbed me the wrong way where things were already predetermined. And it's kind of the way of the world, like nothing is fair and you you kind of got to get over and be fine with that. And that's why I go with the mentality that maybe they're trying to put together more of a, a team bond, like a bonded team, as opposed to bringing some of these other guys in from a performance standpoint, but it's still not right. Yeah. It's like, it's like a corporation wanting to keep the people who say yes and fall in line versus the actual performers who may or may not ruffle some feathers. Any other statements when it comes to the U.S. team? No, I love that Brooks is on the team, though. He, not only did he earn it, but fuck Jay Monahan too. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, seriously. I mean, Brooks is great, and the guy, and, you know, I think the guys like him. I think he's he's going to go out there and play. So that was a great pick. I love that Zach Johnson, you know, did that in real and like I don't want to say had the cojones to do it, but like did it because he knew it was the right thing and it would make the team better. So that that definitely made me happy. I think Bryson's too polarizing. Same with you know Patrick Reed. I, I completely agree with your sentiment on Patrick Reed being there and what what he brings to that team when it comes to a competitive standpoint. Um, but that might have been pushing it a little too much. Oh, imagine bringing him along. Oh, like that would be that. It it, it goes back to what I was trying to do with you a couple of weeks ago, where it's like. If you're the Europeans and you look across to see who you're playing and Patrick Reed rolls up, you roll your eyes and you're like, fuck, I'm in yeah. for one today, right? You should have put, you should have had him and Bryson and had them play together and just have the most obnoxious fucking team to play against. And they just light it up. One's just pounding, what's the drive, torque driver, or whatever driver he plays. Crank. Crank. He's cranking driver. And the other ones over there, just Captain America, wearing his pants at live, hitting every fucking putt. That would be so funny. That goes right back to my like. There needs to be heels in golf, and th- that group, that pairing, would have been amazing. What do they set up? Uh, the different uh, groupings. Anyways, the the groupings that would be the heel group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I. Oh, man. I think my, my key takeaway is I got my tinfoil hat strapped on so tight right now, and there's something weird going on here. And I mean, it is what it is, and no one's going to change it. But I, I, I also made don't think that the Brooks, I, I also don't think that the Brooks one was overly tough, considering you're talking about it being the USGA no, versus not. the PGA, and he goes out there and wins the USGA or, sorry. The PGA of America versus the PGA Tour. Um, he goes out there and yeah, wins yeah. the PGA Championship, so that was the easy one to to take for sure. But, yeah, I think it's just on the surface that's an easy one to take. When you got all the other live related drama involved, it it murkies it murks, murkies the water a little bit. Yeah, but, and he was in a, a natural qualifying position for so long that it was like all right. We'll take him. It's easy. He was in. Yeah, I think Scotty said it like if he had even just like teed up in one other tournament, he would have been guaranteed a spot. All right. Let's tie that one off and we'll move over because of the way that the schedule works. The Europeans are going to be announcing theirs next Monday. We record on either Mondays or Tuesdays. So we'll do our Euro picks based upon what we know today and nothing changing. There is one more European event. Uh, The DP has an event this weekend coming up, uh, the European Masters. Um, So that's going to be their final qualifying event before they go in and finalize their automatic qualifiers. As it stands right now, no surprises really. Um, Rom, Rory, and McIntyre would all qualify off the European list um, if things didn't change. Hovland, Fleetwood, and Hatton would be qualifying from the world list. After that, 
um, they got their six picks also. Um, you started last time, so I'll start this time with who I see being the picks, um, their six picks. I see it being Rose, Fitzy, Straka, Lowry, maybe Paul, just because he has had a very good European season, and then Aberg because they need to get that guy experience. I think they got to do it on European soil because it's an easier place for him to start. Take him over to the U.S. next time with a little bit of experience on a track that's probably going to be a bomber's paradise um, and add him into the kind of regular mix of guys. Who do you got? Um, The only two different ones, I would say. Uh, I would say you've got Adrian Moronk. Is one that I would put in there. And so you, my, take, you would take Paul out? Probably. Okay. Um, and my flyer, Aaron Rye. Two gloves, iron covers, Aaron Rye. So then you're taking Aberg out? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. What made you pick Rye? I just winged it. Um <laughs> I winged it based on, like, I saw that guy on TV a bunch. (laughs) That's the dumbest way to do it. But, like, (laughs) he was performing well in, like, North American tournaments, too. So I could see him potentially being the young guy they bring in. Uh, You know, it pains me for someone who uses iron covers to get it. But, like, I like Aberg, and, and, you know, I think Paul, Aberg, Paul, Moronk, those three, it'll be a toss-up for two spots for those two. Um, and then I think that 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 next spot, it could yeah, go like, to someone we're not expecting. Yeah, I'm looking at the list now, and it could go to like a Victor Perez, somebody who's had some experience in the past, um, going back to him. Yep, yep. It could, go to of, one of the, it could go to Rasmus Hoygaard too, you know? like yeah, I think the last it, – it's going to come down to it like the, the U.S. team did where – you know, we all kind of thought JT was going to get that last spot, but there was like three or four guys who were like, no, they should have that spot. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see the same thing from from the European team. Yeah, I'm just scrolling around. Yeah, I'm not sure even... you give yeah, – I'm not sure you put Rosie in. He's ninth on the world list. He's had a solid year for a guy who's been around for a long time. You're not going to take – one of the yeah, right. old guard there. <laughs> like I just, I would take Lowry out before I take Rose out just yep. based upon their yep. performance in Ryder cups. Yeah. And in there, you know, maybe it's Lowry that, I mean, I, I had in my notes, I said that JT needs to be sacrificed this year <laughs> for someone new. And he clearly didn't sacrifice him. And unfortunately, I feel like Lowry might be the sacrificial lamb for Europe. And Luke Donald has, you know, a bigger pair of cojones and can and, and would do that. And maybe maybe he makes Lowry a assistant coach, you know? I just I look at their team and he's got a little bit more wiggle room based upon how his guys are performing. Yeah. Coming into things. Yeah, he does. Like when one of your, or I guess 
when three of your guys are Rose, Straka, Lowry that you're playing with for maybe being on the outside, like those are some pretty good results they've had this year. And I think um, Straka's a lock. Yeah. So then you're saying Rosie's a lock too. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Straka's seventh on the um, points list from a world standpoint. He's 50 points ahead of Lowry. Another, I guess, 52 ahead of Rosie. So, yeah, I think I don't think, I, I, the I don't think there will like, be as much controversy when it comes to the European side. Like, well, I think there's just more diversity on that side of like options mm-hmm. than you than can, in the U.S. Yeah, you could I go think. for somebody who's playing well on the DP. Who like I don't get up at three o'clock in the morning. To right, watch exactly. Many of those events. So, yeah, and that, that was exactly my point. Like the European guys we see are the ones like my Aaron Rye statement. Like. I just see him on the U.S. side a lot, you know, and we don't necessarily see a lot of these guys and they could be absolute studs that we're missing out on. Yeah, for the for the Americans, I think they got a tall task. It's been 30 years since they've won on European soil. The team looks stacked when I look at the Europeans. And from picture that I sent you today, the rough looks like it's shin cock rough where it's between your shin and your cock. Yeah. Um, Almost everywhere. So not an American setup at all, which is to be expected when you go over to Europe. Um, And Aberg, I don't know if he's set up for this course. I think that will be the most controversial pick out of them all. Like JT's got the history, so you can kind of lean on that. But like Aberg's going to be that guy. If he ends up getting picked for the Europeans, that's going to ruffle some feathers for sure. Yeah, for sure. If if it was a American Ryder Cup, tournament and you know blast away and deal with the consequences after i think aberg is a no-brainer but that rough i mean that grass was fescue length yeah and i gotta watch a flyover and we got time to do kind of a a breakdown who we think is going to win all that sort of stuff in the coming weeks but from what the scorecard was reading there was four holes that were 350 yards or less so I think there may be opportunities to drive some of those greens. Um, and Aber may be a good option. Um, again, I got to do some of the flyovers just to see what that course is actually playing like. And that'll help us. But that was my thought process when it came to Aber. Yeah, for sure. All right. Another one is in the books. Any final parting thoughts? Oh, you played. Hey, let's talk about Mickelson. Oh, yeah. Mickelson what were your National. thoughts? Top three most difficult courses for a first round to play that I've played. I think it is an extremely well-designed course that makes you question. It makes you think you should make the smart play, like 270-yard par four, big dog leg. Looks like there's a lot of bunkers. You know, maybe I should hit this seven six seven iron out to the middle there and then just hit wedge in having played it having watched some stuff on it that is a 100 percent match play degenerate gambler course that you should hit driver at every single opportunity you have 
Yeah, with how slick those greens are and how much undulation there is, the closer to the green you can get on your first shot, the better. Agreed. Agreed. It was a fun like, track. It, but in, like, in his, to his credit, like there are a bunch of holes where you're like, yeah, I should just hit this 210 out to the middle. It seems like the right play. And then you get up there and you're like, this green is nasty. It's super fast. I should just hit it as far up as I could. The other thing I really liked about it, and I'm looking forward to playing it again, is knowing where all the hills and banks and and things like that are and playing them with your approach shot. It's like number three at the rise where it's like, yeah, you pump driver out there, but then the next shot, like you can go for the green, but if you hit it right by those stairs, it's going to bounce in and you're going to have a great putt. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of that on that course, which kind of makes sense considering lefty is a creative short game guy. Yeah, and I don't think you missed it as poorly as I did for most of the greens around there, but there's a lot of turtleback situations where you got to lob the ball onto the green from around like 20 yards around the green and you got to be able to spin it and that's just not my ammo. So I struggled all day around there just trying to get up and down. It is a hell of a time trying to do that for a round. Yeah, and I'm not I am I can't spin the ball to save my life. But I found even those at least when I played it the other day the greens weren't spinning a lot. So even if you're like full sand wedge into it should spin for days and rip back it kind of just hops forward and stops yeah um it it is at the top of my want to play this course again list yeah i think it's a great match play setup it's a phenomenal match play course it's perfect and i was laughing when i played it because you look at the scorecard and there's two entire columns for match play And I said to the old boys I was playing with, I'm like, you can tell Lefty loves to gamble. The scorecards have legit columns for gambling on them. Like, it'd be so much fun to go out there and just play match play on it and, you know, take risks and, and you know, high risk, high reward. I think it's, it's a super fun course. It's not overly expensive. Like, it, it's in awesome shape. It was easy to get a tee time on. The staff was great. You know, there's multiple halfway houses. You can walk it if you want to, too. Um, with the, I have heard, though, with that neighborhood growing as much as it is and as quickly as it is, they are starting to think about making it fully private. In the yeah, I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if they did. I mean, that place looked like they were getting ready to build a thousand houses in there. Yeah, so if anybody's listening and get in there around in that, yeah, that Bam, Calgary area, get out there and get around in either before or after you play out in the Rockies. Yeah, well, do it before you play out in the Rockies because I played <laughs> Kananaskis the day before and that's in the Rockies. And you go from playing a course where your clubs fly 15 yards longer than you're used to and then you try to go play Mickelson, it makes it a lot harder readjusting, Absolutely. not only adjusting to the, you know, normalization of your distances but also doing that while trying to hit specific spots on those ridiculous greens yeah so definitely in our top list to play again and i think we're going to do 
a more, more thorough breakdown of the public rankings as well as the top 100 um, golf cano list so or score golf list. Oh, for sure. I got from. I have some obviously heated opinions about those lists. Yeah. All right. Good episode. Good chatting. We'll chat again next week. Sounds good, man. All right.